Good afternoon and good evening to the rest of you. We are back for another episode of Bitcoin Magazine Live. It is I, your host, Q, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Alex McShane and Chris Alamo. And we're going to kick things off right away with a couple of colleagues of ours from Bitcoin Magazine. And we're here to talk CTV with Pete Rizzo and Aaron Von Werdrum. I hope I said that right, Aaron. How are you guys doing today? Not at all. We're going to mess out of the game. <laughs> Um, Pete, I'd love to just sort of kick things off, I think, with a bit of an explanation. I think our back and forth before we started chatting uh, could just be helpful to set the stage, um, maybe share a little bit about what's really going on and what people are reacting to in this news. Sure. So talking about OpCTV, uh, of course, as you guys probably know, as Bitcoiners, uh, Bitcoin uh, is a software. It needs to be periodically updated, uh, you know, both to remove bugs and also to add new features. Uh, and the way that we add new features to Bitcoin uh, is, uh, I think, one of the processes of Bitcoin that remains kind of shrouded in the most mystery and, uh, you know, technical, like buried under technical uh, layers of understanding. Um, you know, and typically how we introduce new features to Bitcoin is that uh, developers propose a new software uh, that integrates a new feature and then users have to decide whether or not to upgrade uh, to that new feature. And so that process now is in the early stages of going on in Bitcoin right now with a proposal called OpCTV, uh, which is a soft pork proposal implemented in the Bitcoin improvement proposal, uh, BIP1. One nine uh, that would essentially add a certain uh, type of uh, new functionality to uh, Bitcoin. And I'm sure Aaron can dive more deeply into what that is. Uh, so right now uh, you're really seeing that proposal come to the forefront and Bitcoin users sort of being asked broadly uh, whether they think it is worth updating Bitcoin and changing uh, how it functions to incorporate this new rule. So we're sort of in the messy process of achieving social consensus across the thousands of people who run Bitcoin, uh, making the, the sovereign individuals make decisions over their monetary software. I don't know, Aaron, if you want to <laughs> add to that. Yeah, no, that's a good intro. I, again, I, I can give a very brief uh, synopsis of what this upgrade is uh, precisely. So right now, uh, basically, you know, Bitcoins to Bitcoins you own, they are UTXOs. That's what they're called. They're UTXOs on, on the blockchain, essentially. And these UTXOs, uh, they uh, can be spent in a certain way. So you need, you usually need a cryptographic signature. You might need other things, you know, a time lock might, may have expired, or you might need several signatures, or uh, you need like a secret code. Like you, you, there are conditions for you to be able to spend them. Now, once you meet these conditions right now on Bitcoin, then you can spend these UTXOs and create new UTXOs essentially any way you want. So let's say it's a two out of three multisig, just to name one example. You have two of the signatures. Now you get to decide how to spend them, where to spend them to, which addresses, uh, what amounts go where, or what new conditions are, are there. All right, so this new upgrade uh, CDC would actually limit this. So. Under CDV, even if you have all the conditions that you, that you can spend them under, now even then you can only spend them in certain ways. So for example, you can only spend them to certain addresses or certain amounts to certain addresses. Or So it's, it's, it adds another limitation essentially. But you know the, way to think, the right way to think about limitations is that it really sort of expands 
what you can do with Bitcoin. So one example would be you can create a type of fault system where uh, let's say right now, if, if, you, if your private keys are stolen, someone hacks into your computer, someone steals your private keys, now they can spend the coins any way you like. Now with CTV, that person who's, who stole your keys can actually only spend them in a certain way. So for example, they can only spend them to your super cold storage that's in a vault somewhere, or uh, there's like some kind of time lock. So there's there, by imposing limitations, you can actually better control your money. Or you can there's there's more flexibility of what you can do. So it, in short, it would extend uh, the programmability on Bitcoin. I just but, want to add one thing uh, there. It's just it's not in all cases. So if you got that impression right, this is sort of a, something you can opt into as a user, right, Aaron? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's always the case. Anytime you accept Bitcoin, you are the one that decides under what conditions you're accepting the Bitcoin. So you you create the address essentially that you send to someone to send Bitcoin on and hidden behind below the address. That's where all the conditions are. That's where you say this is a multi-sig or this is a time lock or in the future, this is a CTV, so even more limitations. But it's also, it's always up to the receiver to decide under what conditions you receive Bitcoin. So with that oh, but- distinction right there, that debunks this sort of infinitely recurring uh, op CTV uh, kind of FUD that we've been hearing? Uh, well, um, CTV itself is designed to not allow that. So even under the current proposal, that shouldn't be possible. On top of that, my personal opinion is indeed that even if it were possible, it would be fine because you're still the one who's deciding under what conditions you're receiving. So some people are concerned about that regardless. They think that could be some sort of government pressure and people will only be allowed to receive Bitcoins in a certain way. Uh, I, I mean, I personally think that's a problem with or without CTV. Like you could, for example, think of a future where the government says you're only allowed to receive Bitcoins in a multi-sig address where we're part of it. And, you know, so that sort of risk kind of exists either way. So I'm not really concerned about that. But even if you are concerned about that, CTV shouldn't allow that sort of recursive type of uh, recursive type of covenant. So I don't think that's really a concern at all, uh, really. Yeah, Alex, I would even add, I think that's a great example of how this messy sort of consensus process, uh, you know, unfurls in the public, um, where not everyone really, I think, understands OpCTV equally at this point, right? And even myself, uh, someone who kind of studies the history of Bitcoin, the history of software updates, right? I'm not qualified at a technical level to really evaluate OpCTV, right? Uh, I can expand upon the process. And I think, you know, really what you're seeing now is that some people have a really in-depth understanding of OpCTV, right? The specific proposer developer, Jeremy Rubin, has done a great job sort of evangelizing uh, for this and and talking to people about it, but still it hasn't permeated everyone, right? So there's a lot of people who are very technical in Bitcoin uh, who are just coming to this information and they're evaluating it. Uh, sort of on the at the same time, people who have evaluated for six to twelve months have right. So you you actually deal with the fact right now that you have people with different impressions about uh, about the software and they're arguing about it in public and they, they may not even you know be be saying things that are that are valid based on what the technical people think. So you know it's causing a, a bit of social chaos in Bitcoin if you've been on Twitter of late. I I have a question, a follow up question about that too. So why does it appear that the Bitcoin core maintainers haven't taken Jeremy's proposal into consideration until what seems like the eleventh hour, or is that is that not the case? 
I would jump in there and I say that framing is, is, is one that off the bat, I think you need to kind of strip down the assumptions, right? So Jerry Rubin, a, a core developer works on Bitcoin who coded OpCTV. Um, Bitcoin Core is a larger software project, uh, which there are many different types of maintainers uh, who work on different parts of the code. Uh, and there really isn't anyone who's in charge of sort of consensus upgrades, right? And this is what it is. It's like, if you have, want to change a rule about Bitcoin, you sort of have to ask everybody and then everybody who's writing the code uh, gets to make some sort of choice by updating uh, the new software. So in, in this case, there is no gatekeeper, right? There's no, there is no institution of Bitcoin Core that can sort of give, you know, uh, a blessing to consider the proposal. So I think, you know, some of what Jeremy has been criticized for a little bit is, you know, being open about his experience within the process. Uh, because I think what people find when they are Bitcoin developers is that Bitcoin has no process, right? And there are those in Bitcoin who actually would be concerned about there being a process because if there was a process, then that would be something someone malicious could exploit. Um, so there's sort of this long-standing process in Bitcoin where, you know, uh, I think this would be the fourth like kind of major soft fork to Bitcoin if it, if it rolled out and none of them have happened the same way, right? So there is no standard procedure. <laughs> it's not like we uh, have a list of steps that one should follow. Uh, and then even then there are people who are opposed to having any steps, right? Some people would like to see every proposal that has changed Bitcoin go through some unique uh, 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 set of, uh, you know, set of procedures. Uh, but there's this rough idea that there should be consensus, right? That there should be an overwhelming consensus that this is, you know, a worthy uh, way to change Bitcoin, right? And I think, um, you know, that's kind of when I think about the list of questions I have with OpCTV, there's sort of this question right now of like, does it have consensus? Uh, and there's many ways, and, and maybe Aaron, I'd be interested to you unpack in some ways you would attack that question. But I think that that's the question right now. Does it have consensus? And I think it's clear that the Bitcoin core developers, it's like, they are Bitcoin users, just like everyone else. I think this is one of the misconceptions, I think, early on in Bitcoin that you have is that developers and miners and users are kind of different parts. In reality, everybody's a Bitcoin user. Uh, if you believe in sort of the pleb ideology of Bitcoin, that everyone is equal, uh, well, then who would even grant Jeremy's requests to be heard, right? Uh, acts of standing up in public. I, th I think there's Shinobi broke this down in a spaces where he said, you know, Bitcoin is the mob uh, and the way that you uh, get Bitcoin to make a change is you, you have to yell, uh, you know, until the mob changes. And, and, you know, this is one of the things where, uh, you know, is Bitcoin a democracy? No, uh, but it clearly requires some sort of, you know, majority or supermajority uh, consensus that something is the right decision. Uh, but then it also willfully sort of tries to avoid having any process for that other than uh, this idea that something should be just overwhelmingly non-controversial. So I don't know, I'll pass that over to Aaron. So just to set a definition here based on what you said. So in, for the purpose of this conversation, a user is a node runner, is that? I mean, even then now you're sort of <laughs> drilling deeper into the, uh, <laughs> you're, you're <laughs> deeper into the uh, void of what describes a Bitcoin user. Uh, certainly there are some people who would uh, put forth the arguments. And I think this has been a historically pretty sound argument that if you do not run the Bitcoin software, uh, you are not someone who is able to participate in social consensus uh, or certainly uh, you can't... Um, signal or make an actual decision, right? So uh, if, if someone were to introduce, you know, two new pieces of software with sort of opposing rules, and then you weren't running the software, uh, obviously, you know, it would be hard to make your voice heard. So I think Bitcoin sort of struggles with this idea of, um, you know, other than sort of introducing a software and sort of everybody upgrading it to it, that's sort of the, the hard fork model. 
uh, in Bitcoin, we've navigated to this soft fork model. Uh, and so what is a soft fork? Well, really, in that case, uh, you know, you're, you're usually tightening a rule, or Aaron can probably clear up, I'm going to say some things that are probably not technically super accurate here. Usually you're tightening a rule. Uh, and what you need in that case is for the majority of people who are running Bitcoin to be following that rule. Uh, and usually in that case, that means that it's safe for everybody uh, to follow that new rule. And that means that you as a Bitcoin user, even if you're not following that new rule, uh, it will be enforced and Bitcoin will be safe. And so really, you know, the whole process of why do we have Bitcoin governance is because we're trying to introduce new features, we're trying to introduce new changes, uh, or we're trying to do that in a way where the entire system doesn't break. Uh, and that's sort of the tricky part. <laughs> Yeah, oh, lots of to unpack there. I'm not gonna comment on anything. Let me, but let me. I think your first question was why haven't Bitcoin Core developers refute this proposal? And I, so at that point, you have to ask the question: Okay, who qualifies as a Bitcoin Core developer exactly, and which Bitcoin Core developers exactly need to sign off to this? And there's not really a clear answer to that. Regardless, you could argue that or at least some have argued that not enough Bitcoin Core developers have actually looked at this and, and reviewed this. So if I'm going to answer that question, then I think, honestly, I don't think CTV is currently sort of um, uh, engaging enough excitement. Like the, the perceived benefits are you know kind of nuanced or kind of indirect or there are some people that have use cases in mind for it but some of the use cases would require a much bigger overhaul of sort of software infrastructure of exchanges and of wallets and uh, and then there are other ways of potentially achieving these same kind of benefits and there are other proposals that are sort of similar and they're still kind of being weighed and some people prefer you know more uh, less restrictive covenants, for example. So some people might actually want recursive covenants. So just as a very general answer, I think my impression is that within sort of the Bitcoin core community, whoever is part of that and whoever is not, uh, there's just not that much excited uh, excitement for this upgrade. And then, and then the second part, yeah, go on Q. Oh, I thought you were going to ask a question. Um, yeah, and then the second part, I, I think Rizzo was breaking this down pretty well. So the the basic problem, I guess, is that an upgrade to the Bitcoin network or to, to the Bitcoin consensus um, has this inherent risk that it could split the network. Because if different nodes on the network are enforcing different rules, then it's possible that some nodes will accept a certain block or transaction as valid and some nodes will not because it, a, a certain transaction of block or block is breaking the new rules. So how do you resolve this? Well, you can resolve it with uh, everyone has to upgrade at the same time. That's essentially what a hard fork requires. So we have a date or we have a blockade height or something. And now everyone can upgrade because if you don't upgrade, the network would split. And then the other solution that is, you know, a, a lot more pragmatic or practical is a soft fork because a soft fork uh, doesn't necessarily need everyone to upgrade at the same time. It really just needs that a majority of hash power is enforcing the new rules. All right, so that's why people generally prefer soft forks. But now the question is sort of emerging, you know, what kind of consensus do you need for a soft fork? What, what is enough consensus for a soft fork? 
And that question has, you know, multiple parts to it. Like, what is consensus? Does this mean consensus of users and who are users? Or does it require consensus of developers and who are developers? And so that's where it gets really complicated. And I think yeah. that's, you know, that's still an unsettled question that is being explored as we move along of the, in this Bitcoin journey, essentially. So yeah, that's would, would, kind of a new chapter there in a way. I would jump in and I would say, I think the particular question that's being asked of Ops CTV right now is, does it have technical consensus, right? And I think that's maybe that why you're talking about the developers. Um, so there's interesting, it's interesting because there's a couple ways to unpack that is, is that there's no actual definition of technical consensus. So some of the people who are arguing right now, they have different definitions. And the two that I've really identified, I think is, um, you know, because as Aaron was saying, the process of going through this hard for uh, this software process is risky, it's time intensive. So now you sort of need to kind of have a gauge of like, okay, well, when is it worth going through this whole process of, of, of changing Bitcoin and, and mitigating the harm that could happen there? So you have this idea of, you know, consensus, some people also call it technical consensus. And so there's a couple flavors of that. You know, one is that uh, you might think that Opsi TV would have technical consensus if no developers objected to it, or they didn't think it would do any harm, right? So that's what some people are saying when they're talking about technical consensus. And the other group of things people I think are saying that, uh, you know, that's not enough. Uh, we need like most developers to think Opsi TV is the best possible solution for what it's trying to do, that it's best in class, right? That of all the potential ways to kind of do the covenant style vault locking up Bitcoin uh, with, with scripts of all the possible ways to do it. This is the best, uh, the end, you know, that's sort of the standard, right? And I think uh, you sort of ask, well, why is there a standard of technical consensus? Uh, because the Bitcoin software needs to be maintained, right? So you might think that, oh, well, you know, Bitcoin core developers, what do they do all day? Uh, you know, they just sit around and brainstorm new ways to use Bitcoin. Yes and no, they also actually maintain all the old code. So, you know, if you you know, introduce a new part of the code to Bitcoin, that has to be forever sort of checked for bugs and maintained. And there's been instances in the past where, you know, people might not know this, like VIP70, there used to be sort of an invoicing type thing that was in the Bitcoin protocol, kind of looks like what you get with Lightning today. Uh, but, you know, it was baked in the protocol, the developer who posed it left, he was never around, it wasn't maintained, it had all these issues. So then they like took it out, right? So because Bitcoin is a software we want to run forever, it is a different type of software than other older categories of software where, you know, if you don't like iPhone 11, you know, don't up to your upgrade to the new one, just keep running iPhone 10. And then, you know, someday later you'll have, you know, iPhone 12. We really have never had with with Bitcoin, you know, it's kind of the first software. It's like, we we think people will be running Bitcoin forever, right? They'll be using the Bitcoin money in, until the end of time. So that, that creates the software dependency. And so I think the developers really are having a conversation right now of like, does OpsyTV have technical consensus? Do developers agree uh, that it's a good enough idea? And then they're really saying these two specific things, which is, one, do they think it'll do any harm or introduce any risk? I think Aaron talked about that one. And then I think there's the second part of that was, is, is it best in class? Like, is it the best possible of all solutions for this? Uh, and so right now, I think Jeremy uh, Rubin, the, the author, I think he's sort of claiming that, you know, both A and B, right? He's saying it's not going to do any harm. Aaron addressed the kind of your specific point about the attacks. And he's saying also uh, it's best in class, right? He's like, he's saying this is the most minimal viable way to do this. It's not gonna do these sort of Ethereum type script things. It'll be very complicated. It's actually really safe. And if you look at all the other different you know, proposals for covenants, which is you know the class of proposals that OpsyTV is in, uh, this is the best one. So he's making both those arguments. And I think people are usually disagreeing with him on one or the other or both or that they support him, right? So there's like, that's kind of the range of opinions that you see currently right now on, on, in the Twitter sphere.
Yeah, to elaborate on that a little bit, one of the things Pete said is that the the, the problem, if you want to put it that way, with a soft fork is you can't really undo it. The only way to undo it is a hard fork. And as mentioned, a hard fork requires basically everyone to upgrade at the same time. And, you know, that's, that's at the very least very hard and maybe just impossible in Bitcoin. So if you're going to implement a soft fork, you, you better be very sure that we want to have this in Bitcoin forever. That, and that's why the bar is very high. The question at this point, as mentioned, is sort of, okay, but how high, how high is high? How high is high enough? What, like, how, which developers need to sign up? I, I do think there's another, there's sort of another layer to the discussion. So I think what we've been discussing so far is mostly what does a, well, what does an upgrade require to be implemented in Bitcoin Core, so this this technical consensus and this you know developer process and that that's mostly about Bitcoin Core, but then you could technically implement a soft fork or even a hard fork outside of Bitcoin Core. Like you don't need it doesn't need to go through Bitcoin Core technically. Well. <laughs> but <laughs> so that's that's another you know that's that's where it gets even more controversial and arguably like one of the things jeremy rubin well he didn't try to do but what he announced was i'm gonna release this client that's gonna have minor signaling so if an, if a majority of miners you know have forces of software then it, you know the, the rules are tightened at least de facto as long as they do that so he was proposing to release an alternative client that would, you know, activate this soft fork outside of the Bitcoin core process, which is technically possible, but that, you know, that's like a new kind of worms of, is that something that's desirable or do we always want this process to go through core first? Right, yeah, a whole can of worms there. But I think, you know, maybe how I'd break that down for people who feel a little lost, uh, you have to run a version of the software. Uh, so if Bitcoin Core, you know, and that technical process doesn't support it, in the past, people have proposed and written new software implementations that, that follow all the core rules and are compatible with Core, but again, have this new feature and then allow users to run this. So I think, you know, when you're talking about does OpTV Op -TV have technical consensus, we don't really know. Uh, but then the, the second kind of question now that Aaron, I think, introduced is sort of like, well, when is it okay for some developer who has a great idea to ask users or miners to, or, and to effectively pull them by asking them to run some other software, right? When do they have the right to do that? Or, you know, how should people feel about if they do that? Because Aaron said in this case, you know, uh, Jeremy has not released the software, but what he has suggested is that he is going to code the software and release it and now let users sort of decide or signal in some way that they want this. Uh, so it's sort of breaking from the ranks where, you know, uh, usually and generally like mo most all, you know, most, I think all of the softworks have gone through the Bitcoin Core process that's been implemented in Bitcoin Core uh, and the network at large has never used or never made an upgrade by using some other software that has not gone through that process because, well, what is the process? Well, the process is all of the best minds and Bitcoin developers deciding something. Uh, so now if you are a developer who's who's releasing some other piece of software that is not going through Bitcoin Core, you're, you're now asking the users uh, to effectively run some piece of code 
uh, that you now know is outside of that review that has not really been given the express approval uh, of those developers. So now you're sort of even on a higher level introducing more uh, discord. And I think that's the other objection here where Jeremy's getting a lot of heat is sort of he's saying, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the users, right? If if you if, if if we don't have technical consensus on this, I think that it meets my definition of you know it doesn't do harm, that it's best in class. So I'm just gonna go right to the miners. I'm gonna go right to the users, and I'm gonna ask them <laughs> direct to, direct polling, direct direct democracy style. And now that's kind of ruffled feathers even further. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I got well, some to, to tie in there. So we you said there that every software so far has gone through Bitcoin Core. That itself is also a you know point of dispute because we have seen the UASF in 2017. Well, but the UASF was never run by the network, right? You can't say that the network has ever majority opted into another software that has not gone through that process. Well, you can say two things about that. Uh, first of all, you're right that we can't know how many people or what part of the economy was actually running it and was actually prepared to go along with it. And because that question was never really resolved, we that's still that's why that argument is sort of still going. And the other then the other part, and now we're getting another level deeper, is what actually defines a soft fork. Because what BIP 148, the USF in 2017 did was it really sort of mandated the signaling. And then you can wonder if if you require miners to signal to activate a soft fork, is that in itself a soft fork or is that sort of scaffolding for a soft fork? We, we should probably prob ask these guys what they think now because I think this is like... <laughs> yeah, a, we're, I was just yeah, going to say we should probably move at least one layer back. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say one thing. I, I do feel for Jeremy. I mean, this is definitely a rough process and uh, I think everyone would agree with that. I know, I, I guess I'm going to counter with something that Jeremy keeps bringing up, which is a great point. Right now, he's got a bounty for 5.5 Bitcoin, which is just over 200,000 at the current price in, in US dollars in order to break CTV. So basically, he's like tempting other uh, developers, maintainers, or, or anyone for that matter that knows how to code to break his proposal. Uh, and he's willing to put, you know, a decent amount of Bitcoin, I would say. Uh, on the line to do so. I guess, is there any comments, Pete or, or Aaron, to that? Um, is that a good model? Should there be a different model for this? I well, look, I think there's a lot of people who would say that, um, you know, that Jeremy has done things in an interesting way. So I think in addition to evaluating Jeremy's specific technical proposal, the community is also so confronting this idea that Jeremy has sort of advocated for OpCTV in a certain way, right? So uh, in the past, most of the technical proposals on Bitcoin have really happened on the developer mailing list and with developers like within GitHub and within that process. So when we say Bitcoin Core, you're really talking about the developers contributing to Bitcoin Core, having those technical discussions, and then ultimately deciding to integrate something in the software. Jeremy has done it a little bit differently, right? His sort of claim here is that like he's engaged with the industry, the industry wants this. Uh, he's also making the claim that developers are a bit out of touch with the industry by sort of not implementing new features that they want. And he's you know created a website, he's created videos, he has like these graphics that explain what uh, OpsyTV does. Uh, he's had IRC meetings like about where people can talk about the proposal. He's put up bounties uh, and he's generally pushed forward the conversation into the public sphere in a way where users, I think, feel closer to this. Right. They know that Jeremy is advocating for something and that this is a proposal that he's passionate about. I think what the developers object to in that is that 
there are other proposals in Bitcoin that are probably as popular right now as OpsyTV, but they're not getting that attention. And one of the reasons they're not getting that attention is because Jeremy has advocated for it a certain way. So I think in addition to people feeling differently about OpsyTV as a specific piece of technology, they're also feeling very conflicted about Jeremy's actual process, because in, in a certain sense, he's kind of you know, politically campaigning for Opsy TV, right? He's sort of created this way where it's, he, he's almost looks like a politician. He's got this website, he's got his proposal, he's gonna hit you on Twitter, he's going on Twitter spaces, he's evangelizing for that. And that is in itself pretty new, right? We have not seen developers historically do that in the past. Even with Taproot, I mean, I'm sure you guys can't tell me like where that proposal came from, like who specifically proposed it. I mean, people who follow the mailing list, like we would know that SegWit, kind of the same thing. This is the first time when really there's just been such a strong singular developer identity tied to this. And then, and then he specifically sort of pushed that. And I think uh, culturally that just rubs a lot of the old uh, kind of Bitcoin core contributors. And again, these are the biggest names in the technical space, right, who have contributed, you know, some of the biggest, you know, advances to Bitcoin, that's rubbed them the wrong way. And they're not even engaging with it, uh, just because of the way the social signaling is taking place. So if we if we back up for a second, um, using your kind of distinction, Pete, of monetary maximalism versus platform maximalism, Jeremy is without a doubt a, a platform maximalist, I would say, in, in his own words yesterday, I mean, Bitcoin will be at risk to fail and will not become the be all end all. And he might move to Ethereum if we don't uh, put in this upgrade. So, I mean, what do you think about that? Do you guys think Bitcoin can sort of ossify right now or do we need something like this? Um, I, well, I think, I, I, think, I think yeah, Jeremy certainly has fans amongst people who don't think Bitcoin should ossify, right? Because one of the things that he's, the specific OPCD proposal is getting a lot of positive attention for is it kind of presents this way forward where users are more like tightly integrated into this technical consensus process. So I think what Aaron was alluding to, so he was using some specific terms. I'll just break those down like BIP1148, right? This was, um, you know, back during the kind of the fork war period where it was unclear um, you know, how we would upgrade Bitcoin, what happened was, you know, technical consensus was reached, the miners were not signaling. So then what happened was the Bitcoin uh, developers of the day sort of appealed to the users or some subset of them did. So what happened during that event and why it's kind of, you have to really study it to really understand uh, the Bitcoin consensus processes. Again, the developers kind of all agreed on something that something had technical consensus that it was this best in class solution for the problem. The miners still weren't sort of signaling for it. So then someone coded a new piece of software that appealed to the users. Uh, and ultimately what got SegWit activated was that, uh, you know, people upgraded to uh, SegWit and they never really ran the software that the users were running, but people got the overwhelming idea that the users supported this and the developers supported this, so everyone upgraded, right? The industry sort of backed down. Uh, that process, like, it's not clear how that's scalable, right? It's, it was a very acrimonious process. So I think what people like about what Jeremy's doing is that he's doing some flavor of that, right? He's saying, okay, we don't have technical consensus. I'm going to go about the software change in the same way that this previous software change did where it, when there was conflict, we appealed to the users, right? And so now it's sort of introducing this whole other layer of well, the real truth of that is the developers were never really, I think, totally on board with that, right? There's this idea that um, I think Q in one of your earlier questions about like, you know, are, how are users involved in like the process of Bitcoin consensus and Bitcoin upgrades? It's actually pretty unclear. Like in cases like Taproot, they've actually totally been, 
you know, not really that involved, right? You you have a you know developers that introduce the software, they all agree that it's the best in class solution, and then sort of the miners are asked to signal that they would upgrade to the software, and then we make the change based on the miner signaling. That's why when you see the tweets like, oh, eighty percent of the miners are signaling for Taproot, yay! Like right, that that's what's happening, right? It's like this hash power is being pulled. And then the change kind of goes through and there's never a point where it's like you Q or you Alex and like your node like really matters in that conversation. So, you know, you also have this like kind of meta layer of like, you know, okay, when is it okay to just appeal to the masses like your average Bitcoin node runner and like, what is it okay to get them in there? So again, there's a lot of layers to this, right? There's like, what is technical consensus? Uh, when is technical consensus achieved? How do you feel specifically about Jeremy's, what he's doing, like both to kind of publicize this and then Three, how do you kind of feel about his specific use of tactics, right, to, to, to really drum support of that? Uh, and I think there's criticism in every layer, uh, and that's why there's no consensus here yet, as <laughs> people are sort of unpacking this, like, you know, massive amount of information that's coming out. I do kind of want to present this philosophical question to both you, Aaron, and Pete. I know you touched on it a little bit, but this idea that, you know, like, I... I I'm the least technically savvy person, I think, of this entire conversation and panel that we have today. Like, I would rather sort of understand and hear from people like Jeremy, like you, like Aaron, telling me, hey, this is what these changes can do. This is, this is why it's good. And this is why maybe we don't need it. Do I need a say, though, in that decision-making process of like me being a Bitcoin user where as we continue to scale Bitcoin out, like that's going to be the majority of Bitcoiners are going to just be like the general users interacting with layer two and above, not necessarily as many miners and developers. So the question really is like, do we need to give the developers that ability and right to just make changes that they see fit that would go over the everyday user's head? Uh, yeah, so the answer, in my opinion, is that in the end, uh, developers do not and should not control the, the protocol or the consensus, and they also don't want that right now. So uh, to be to be clear, the, the Bitcoin core development process right now and for the past you know 10 years has worked pretty well, I would say. I think it, it's a, you know fairly well functioning process and i think the technical review and the code that they're producing it, it it works very well however it's not a viable long-term solution to sort of rely on that because in the end that would represent a central point of failure uh developers can you know get lost in their own biases or they can be corrupted or blackmailed or something like this can happen now if you look at how bitcoin actually works I don't know if there's an opinion or not. It, at, you could say it's an opinion, I guess, but the hard to know at this point. Yeah. <laughs> the way Bitcoin actually works, um, in my opinion, if you want to call it that, is that there are really only two factions that matter: it's users and it's miners. Developers aren't actually a faction in the Bitcoin protocol or anything like that. It's users that value the coins, and the way they very specifically do that is by accepting transactions in a certain coin and at that point they also check the rules the rules they care about the rules that their full node is enforcing so at that point in time they are deciding what they consider to be bitcoin and what they value and then the miners they mine blocks they they basically adhere to these rules they produce new blocks that have these bitcoins so the only two factions that really matter in the end are users 
um do you sir do you personally need to care about an upgrade like this um not really i i don't know what you mean like maybe you need to specify that question because i'm not sure how to answer that right now um, well i i think you're going down that that thought path that i'm genuinely having where it's like while some of these changes right now today may necessarily be able to go over people's head because we're not at scale where everyone in the world and there are governments and businesses interacting on the Bitcoin network. But when we continue to scale out, if this practice of giving the developers just sort of this final say or ability to sort of circumvent the mass users, create a change that they see fit based on their understanding of the code beyond the way that you or I understand the code for them to go off and do that in the future, the precedent this sets to me feels like a slippery slope. Well, in a way, you are already caring. Like you care about the rules every time you accept a Bitcoin transaction. Every time you accept a Bitcoin transaction, you're saying these are the rules I care about. So that that's already the case. So there's no change yeah. in that sense. I think the, the real question maybe is like if there's some sort of split potentially, what should you do? And I, I think at that point, the people that, care should make sure that you don't get into trouble so that's the miners and the other users should make sure that you don't get in trouble but right now every time you get it you are verifying the rules as long as you run a full node at least then you are but but it's perfectly fine to say as a user you know what i see the bitcoin core development process i think that's not corrupted i think that's working fine so i'm going to download the bitcoin core software and I think that's what a lot of users are doing. But even when you do that, you, that's still your choice, right? You are still deciding to trust the Bitcoin core process. And I think that's a perfectly fine decision to make, at least so far. I think the other part of your question is like, uh, you know, it has to do with this idea of ossification, right? Where some people think the idea that we wouldn't make any more changes to the Bitcoin base layer in the future is is positive. And I think that's that's just a whole other can of worms, right? I, my personal belief and what I've been trying to put out in my recent writing, and I think Alex alluded to a little bit, is that, you know, we don't know how Bitcoin will function in the future, really. Uh, we don't, uh, it, it needs to continue in such a way where, you know, the participants of the network continue to operate that. Uh, there are a lot of different ideas about how that will work, right? Because there's only 21 million Bitcoins. Uh, at some point, those the Bitcoin, new Bitcoin being produced will go to zero. Uh, and we would hope that the incentives to keep the network together today would hold. We, we don't actually know those things. Uh, we can make claims or inferences about how that will happen. And there are plenty of people who say that the status quo right now is fine and could work into the future. And you know, there's nothing wrong with them representing that period. Uh, that, sorry, that opinion. Uh, my personal contention would be like, we have to continue going through this process. Uh, and because, you know, we're just not, we're, we, there's no way to know if you're at the end of needing to upgrade Bitcoin. Uh, therefore, it's better if the participants in Bitcoin are more educated about that. Because Aaron said, it's, it's not this like theoretical thing. On, it is on some level, but at the end of the day, it's like you have to decide which Bitcoins to accept and the, the actual vehicle for you to do that is the software. Uh, so, you know, I think um, going to Bitcoin, going through this process, uh, even if it is actively trying to destabilize and not have a process is somewhat of a process. And that that process I think is good for Bitcoin. We should 
continue going down there. And look, maybe CT, OpCTV is just not, you know, interesting enough for everyone to kind of upgrade their software and maybe it fails on that basis or maybe it's rolled in with other proposals, right? So sometimes what's happened is that, uh, you know, a Taproot, it wasn't just Taproot, it was Taproot and Schnorr signatures, right? So there was multiple proposals that were, that kind of came together and both of those were upgraded at once. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of things that, that could happen here, right? There's, there's nobody I think is, I think it's way too early to tell whether like OpCTV would go in by itself, whether it would fail, whether it would be batched with other things. Uh, certainly like what you can say right now is that people are talking about it. Uh, I think that's good. I think it's good for people to be involved in the technical workings of Bitcoin and to understand how Bitcoin functions uh, because there are tons of unanswered questions here, right? As me and Aaron have just been talking, uh, you know, there's a lot about Bitcoin governance theory and, you know, how it functions that just, you know, we, we, we probably won't know the full answers for, for a very long time. And uh, we as Bitcoiners who want to see Bitcoin succeed in the future, the more knowledge we have of that process, I would argue the more secure Bitcoin is, right? Because ultimately you, you don't want to trust anyone. That's the core ethos. Uh, so how do you not trust anyone? Well, you're in, as informed as possible. That's the, that's the best defense you have. So, yeah, but even if you even if you're not, so I think one of the nice things about Bitcoin is that the incentives really do align very well. The incentives, the economics, the game theory. So that I mean, that's one of the reasons we do soft forks in the first place. Uh, it, it's better to not kick anyone off of the network. It's better if we make an upgrade and you Q can still pay me and I can pay you, even if I am upgraded and you're not yet. So there's a very strong incentive that that basically the people that care in the miners, like I mentioned, they have a very strong incentive to keep you who don't understand or don't care to still keep you on the network. So in that sense, I, I'm not really concerned, even if people don't want to learn about this or even if it, because the incentives are so strong to keep you on the network. That said, it would be even better if everyone, you know, does learn about this and does, you know, potentially upgrade to a new client if they if they feel that better uh, represents their values or if that better represents the way they want to see Bitcoin uh, uh, develop or grow. So Jeremy's proposal is very uh, forward thinking, concerned about the future. I would say, you know, these aren't pro Bitcoin operates perfectly well without uh op ctv uh what do you guys think about these kind of especially with the mempool congestion control use case and some of the problems he's trying to ward off very early well you can never really tell how software is going to be used right he's proposing a change and then it's sort of being put on him and saying okay well what can you do with this change right and so that's what he's tried to circulate and and, and get mind share around and where he's really being challenged i think what's interesting about his particular appeal is again you sort of go back to the beginning one of the things that jeremy's sort of saying here is that you know, this is uh, the type of upgrade to Bitcoin that isn't for everyone, that it's actually only going to be used by the industry, right? Like Aaron was saying, to create these new types of vaults, these are services. This is like the kind of stuff that you would rely on a CASA or an Unchained right now, but it's coming into the base layer. It can be done trustlessly. It can be done in a programmatic way, right? So he's making a much more narrow argument where it's, it's, it's in, what's interesting about CTV is he's saying, yeah, this isn't for everybody. These past upgrades are actually a little bit different. Yeah, everybody, you know, benefited from uh, SegWit. Everybody benefited from Taproot, and everybody will continue to benefit of the advances here. He's saying that's not the case. He's saying this is for really for the industry. This is for the industry to offer some better services, and sort of he's making the appeal. I think that 
that Bitcoin uh, developers have sort of ignored that. And maybe that this is sort of a path forward, but even that's sort of very debatable, right? Because I think some people are fighting him on this idea. Well, if it isn't for everybody, if everybody doesn't benefit from this type of new technology, well, then why are we making this upgrade? Why go through all the trouble when, you know, clearly this is something that requires like a really high standard. Um, so maybe I would just push back and say, like, I don't really have any specific opinion on like the specific use cases that he's put forward. I think it's interesting that he's arguing that the use cases really are for a certain class of Bitcoin users, right? And so you mentioned mempool congestion. So, you know, Jeremy's defended that and said, yeah, the kind of person who's opening up thousands of lightning channels, they might want to send one transaction and then ensure that these other thousand channels will open and that those will eventually confirm that's a great use case, right? So it's incumbent on him to get that kind of mind share around these use cases. But I do think it's interesting that his argument here is like very specific. He's saying these are industry specific use cases. Maybe everyone won't benefit from them, but still everybody should upgrade. Still, this is good for everyone. And, and in that way, this is what is making Opsy TV a little bit unique. And it adds a little bit of flavor to Jeremy's specific critique. Uh, and it's just another kind of differentiating factor here where we haven't seen something like this before quite in Bitcoin. I think in general, um, the Bitcoin users, they want to see the value of Bitcoin go up and Bitcoin miners want to see the value of Bitcoin go up. And that's why I think in, in general, what, if a change will make the value of Bitcoin go up, it will probably happen one way or the other. So maybe it will go through Bitcoin Core or otherwise someone... Has, has there been a change that has made the value of Bitcoin go up? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think SegWit, for example, has probably made the price go up, right? Oh, you don't think so, Rizzo? You, you think the whole deployment of the whole lightning network that was irrelevant for the price of Bitcoin? I don't think it was possible for the that to have been priced in at the point of SegWit. And lightning was still technically possible without SegWit, right? It was just more cumbersome. Anyways, um, well, we can figure this stuff out with futures market. This this is my uh, this is my pet. How do we call it? This is my personal war I'm fighting. We need. You're, we need you're bringing it back. You're, I love but it. I'm sure it's just an original idea, but that's what we really need, I think, for future. Go into it. Do you want to explain your futures proposal? Yeah. Um, so um, essentially, it, the very basic example is that uh, if you have, let's see, where do I start this explanation? So if, if there's a potential split in the network, so in this specific case, you could have uh, a software that will have ctv for sure like it would be a uasf basically that will definitely activate ctv and then you have a software that will definitely not have ctv so there will essentially definitely be a split in the blockchain so there will be two bitcoins at least uh virtually like these software projects will definitely split the blockchain all right now these fork futures will allow you to trade between these two versions of Bitcoin. So you can trade between Bitcoin with CTV and you can, uh, and without. So you can, so if you have Bitcoin, you can sort of split them virtually and you buy one or the other. Now, after the split happens, the one you bought is the one you get and the one you sold is the one you don't get. So I think this, you know, this allows people to really put their money where their mouth is. They really say, I want this Bitcoin. And you'll see a virtual price of which Bitcoin will be considered to be more valuable. Um, 
I suspect in general, because it's really hard to actually split the blockchain and to actually have two viable Bitcoins because of the difficulty adjustment and because of the network effects. I personally expect that any futures market like this will have a very binary outcome. So there will be a very binary outcome that says, all right, this is where the market wants Bitcoin to go, or that's where the market wants Bitcoin to go. We have an example of this. So this happened in 2017 when the 2X, uh, the, the Segway 2X group, uh, I'm not going to explain what I was, but some of you will know, some of you will not, but uh, some people wanted to increase the block size and that would have split the blockchain. And there were fork futures for that. So people could trade the, the future value of these coins. And you you saw a very strong binary effect towards keeping the status quo and not having a split. And, and the people that were backing the 2X project, they eventually even backed up. They said, all right, we were wrong. The market doesn't want this. So never mind. We won't do it. And I, I personally expect that to be a very typical outcome of these uh, of these fork futures. So this is a way that you can really pull users. You can really pull the market to see where it wants to go. And that's something that miners can see. Miners can see, all right, that's where the market wants to go. Mar the market wants CTV. So we're going to activate CTV. And then we'll have CTV because market, uh, miners also want to make money. So that's sort of my personal vision for how I see uh, Bitcoin governance play out. Now, I want to emphasize this doesn't preclude anything else. You can still have the Bitcoin core process. You can still have arguments on Twitter. You can still have all of that. And I do suspect that the futures markets will probably, you know, the, the market will probably have very much respect for the Bitcoin core process as long as the Bitcoin core process works. So as long as the Bitcoin core process is making good decisions, is not rushing things, is not implementing anything that people don't want, or is not implement not implementing something that has consensus, like as long as that process works, then I suspect the futures market will also show that. But but it, you could see it as a way to keep the Bitcoin core process honest, maybe. But um, yeah, that's that's sort of the short version. Does that make sense? Yeah, ultimately, yeah. I think it's a way to, you know, why people have always kind of defended this process is this idea that, you know, you can argue about all, all you want, but it's like, are you willing to put your Bitcoins up <laughs> and lose them if the specific proposal uh, didn't go through, right? So Aaron alluded to like in the past with SegWit uh, upgrade, this, this had happened. And really what you saw with that is like people were willing to put up their Bitcoin and then potentially lose them in order to get SegWit, right? And that sort of sends a signal to the market that, oh, people don't want this, you know, this, you know double block size increase like people people are willing to lose their bitcoins for this other thing it just sends a stronger signal right uh and it's just one of the tools that people have suggested measuring consensus but again it's not just losing of course it's also making more winning, yeah, the other one right. yeah so some yeah. some people ended up with more bitcoin because they bet on the status quo in that specific scenario some people have like 15 percent more bitcoin or you know whenever they made the trade if they timed it well i don't remember the exact amounts but you know so there's there's an incentive both both negatively and positively it's trading you know it's like trading between anything else in this case you're trading on what do you think the future of bitcoin should be or what do you want it to be or what do you think will be more valuable 
Yeah, and really all these things are just tools, right? So Bitcoin, again, I think I, I saw someone from the Ethereum community kind of pop into the, the Bitcoin spaces talking about CTV and they, they had some interesting direct comments, sorry, to me after, right? It's This is one of the things that differentiates Bitcoin, right? I, I think a lot of the other cryptocurrencies, they have this process where the users are very deferential to the developers, right? The developers set this roadmap and in their worldview, what you know, uh, you as a user have essentially by buying the coin and running the software, you've bought into their roadmap, right? So they're sort of used to giving themselves this carte blanche ability to say, well, if we change the roadmap, well, then if you don't agree, you can just sell and leave, right? Bitcoin does not have that, right? Bitcoin has a process by which really the users are ultimately controlling Bitcoin. And if there isn't an overwhelming consensus, this is good for everybody, regardless of what the developers or founders think, uh, you know, it's a, it, and it means that we have this messier process, right? And it means that we have this process where there isn't a process. There's just a bunch of tools that we've used before to kind of understand whether people ultimately want to run this different type of software. But I think it's important to kind of contrast this with, right? Right now, we're having a vibrant social discussion about proposal. And I think that's shocking to a lot of the other cryptocurrencies who, you know, in 2017, they thought Bitcoin was dead. They thought Bitcoin, you know, couldn't integrate new features. They, they thought that Bitcoin would never upgrade again. And this was the way that they would kind of outcompete them. And now they're seeing kind of, you know, six months after Taproot, Bitcoin's having another discussion about another proposal. And that we're still moving forward, even though we sort of lack this like process, right? We, we lack this like, you know, this is a good one guy, one developer who came up with a smart idea, he's proposing and he's evangelizing and he's getting mindshare. And even though that, that conversation is tough, maybe it doesn't happen. Uh, it's still happening in a way that's like much more organic than is happening in like any other cryptocurrency community where, you know, it's a, it's a lot more controlled, right? Something that is happening amongst the developers, the developers are working on a roadmap, there's a tight deadline you know, with the merge, like you got to make the merge with Ethereum, right? You're going to have to upgrade your software whenever the developers tell you to get ready for that merge. Uh, so again, I think it for people who are just coming in and just seeing this mess, like it is a mess, right? It's a mess. Uh, but it's a group of people uh, trying to come to consensus without authority, right? There is no authority here. Uh, and this is kind of, this is the secret sauce, right? And I think uh, I, I kind of had to remind this, this Ethereum developer or, or kind of tell them, and it's like, look, if you haven't been paying attention to Bitcoin development, I mean, uh, it's, it's actually advanced quite a lot and it has advanced without, you know, needing to this trust and this level of thing, of this level of uh, authority that other structures had. And, and really that's, I think the thing that, you know, really makes me continue to be confident in Bitcoin uh, as opposed to the other projects. Awesome guys. Uh, I know there's a lot that we discussed here and a lot still left to continue discussing. I'm sure there'll be more updates out of all the CTV news. Uh, and we'll be sure to keep an eye out for any and all shit posting that the two of you get up to on Twitter in regards to this news. And we'll probably have you guys back. Um, in the meantime, though, we're going to cut to a quick commercial break before we are joined by Mackenzie Sigalos from CNBC to talk Bitcoin in the mainstream media. So stick around. You're not going to want to miss that conversation, guys. <laughs> 